Who are you? Episode number 77. <laughs> Pull that off. <laughs> All right, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. Okay, so Sunday, I was sitting in my, in my little reading chair that I do every morning, actually. But it was Sunday, and, and sometimes on the Sunday, I like to go and start just randomly making my way around YouTube. And thanks to the lovely algorithms and the like on the... They know what the, you like they now. They know what I like. So I saw this um, video that was talking about social media and how it affects your identity, which looked interesting, so I clicked on it, and I'm just trying to remember. Do you remember what was the lady whose video that I first sent you? Um, um, what was her name? Nope. No, <gasps> don't have it. My notes have failed us. Yeah, it has. So here it is. Uh, it was uh, Yul Reich. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. that. I'm sorry if okay. she's listening to this, but uh, yeah. we'll link it in the show notes. I, so I seen it. She was giving a TEDx talk, and she opened it up with... Um, this the question basically what she said was she was getting ready to give the TEDx talk and sent out a Instagram to say I'm doing this talk and it's got 27 likes and then it was okay of all these thousands you know the number hundreds of people that were in the audience only 27 likes basically long story short is what she was saying is that you know sometimes we post things onto our social media feeds and they don't get any likes or a very small number of likes considering the number of contacts or friends that we have and then you start thinking well maybe that post wasn't good enough they didn't like it my friends my followers didn't like that post so you start shaping the types of posts that you that you might put but she said the story that we're not completing is that we have that thing called the algorithm and Facebook may have just chosen not to show that post to a percentage of your um, your feed and so we're making decisions without all of the information it starts to shape kind of what we're posting and how that we we started interact with our social media so that's what started me off on that and I sent that video to yeah, you yeah, along yeah. with a few others and I thought it was an interesting I think topics to explore as in yeah how is on a broader scale how does technology because I, I think I sent you something else that was talking about technology as a whole how we you know we have all this technology the tool even I mean not just talking electronic stuff but you know any piece of technology how it begins to shape us and who we who, who we are um, in that so how does technology shape our identities yeah the, the tool begins to shape you i guess we shape the tool the tool yeah begins to she, shape that us. um ted talk she says that uh she said calls it a co-constructive relationship that we construct the technology but then the technology also constructs us in other words she says we become what the technology allows us to become and, and she, she draws us back to even sort of our evolutionary history with use of tools and mm. stuff so you know the, like you're saying this is any technology and we have a sort of like quite close relationship with it in other words we have something and then it allows us to do something else we yeah. haven't been able to do before that then becomes part of who we are yeah absolutely yeah. and then we kind of yeah then we're reacting within that it just reminded me and I hadn't even thought about this until just now when you said that one of my final essays 
um, at university because I was a military history major. And it, the question was, does technology drive warfare or changes in warfare? Does warfare drive technology? So, you know, do we think of new ways of killing it ourselves <laughs> mm. um, or does the technology give us new ways of killing ourselves? Uh, the human race type thing which is quite yeah so yes absolutely so I'll think of all the and and you probably most people won't associate it I mean things like the railroad and how that um, you know allowed us to have better logistics and of course create bigger war so bow and arrow and how that changed um, so all these things but that we invent these things these pieces of technology and this co-creation but uh, well you know it goes the other way around yeah the most sort of interesting thing to me was reading that um, article in Psychology Today called Is Technology Stealing Our Identities? Yes. And this guy basically I mean he's a, a doctor of psych who's writing this article. He talks about how identities are like how we create our identities that they come from two places. They come from our own experiences and then they come from how people or how the world feeds back to us. Right. Okay, so we have like our internal interpretation of an experience we've had that tells us, you know, and of course it's, it's all the things, personality, aptitudes, capabilities, physical attributes, interests, relationships, blah, 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 that all sort of come together and form different aspects of our identity. And in his article, he's sort of claiming that social media, because we've expanded our, and I suppose this is technology in our, in our age in general, it's expanded our network. So, for instance, we both live thousands and thousands of miles away from our family. Yeah. But, and, and, not, and, and in the past, if that were to have been the case, like someone went off to Australia or someone went off to, you know, wherever, Europe to New World, you wouldn't have heard from people again, or you would have heard a, a letter once a year, basically. So, you know, there is there is technology that sort of allowed us to do stuff. But, you know, he's basically arguing that because our network now is so broad and, and beyond sort of the location that we live in, that somehow it's the external influence on our personality formation, or our, sorry, our, our identity formation is... is like greater than it yeah. ever was and I just don't buy that like the whole article I was just like people have always been uber concerned about what other people think about them and whether it's I suppose this is where I sort of like get tired of the like social media is like the devil you know and it's mm. so terrible and it's you know destroying people's communities and people's relationships I don't know I feel like we have a different way of connecting with people and it does it's not that it doesn't have an influence but the idea you know he says things like before our external influences would have come from people in our community and our family and they would have been mostly positive and reaffirming and stuff and I'm like man have you looked around people have terrible you know feedback from some of their family members you know sometimes people's parents were not super positive and and giving them confidence and stuff sometimes they were 
you know, beating them. Sometimes they were telling them they were good for nothing. Like, you know, I, I think I, don't what know. It, I think it ties into the opening there, though. So it does become global. So if you know, if you look at your feed now, like so, for instance, probably less so with Facebook because you. You know, it's probably more people that you know know as opposed to strangers. But say if you're on something like Twitter or Instagram, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of open unless you set your account to private. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you got people all around the world. And like what the opening uh, lady was saying is that the external feedback is that you're getting in terms of likes and shares and approval through people who looked at this picture that you made and that begins to shape, you know, your, that gives you some feedback about yourself, whether that post was good or not good, especially when you get to, um, when you look at the phenomenon with some of the millennials and they post a picture of themselves as selfies. And, if, you know, I was talking to my kids about that and they were like, if it doesn't get X amount of likes within a certain amount of time, they'll take it down. That's interesting. See, I think maybe part of my problem is that I'm not totally in that zone. Yeah. So I'm not like that equation sort of doesn't happen for me but I'm also like people used to never leave they're like in previous generations women didn't leave the house without a full face of makeup I mean I know there's still people that do that but you know people used to have to dress up to even you know, leave oh, we the house. About that and, with the you know, the one idea, as well, exactly. The idea that fashion. that we haven't that suddenly this is a new phenomenon of trying to present a certain face to the world and influence and only show part of who we are and feedback and and because people maybe don't like our post, how how dissimilar is that to people who gave you a certain look in the past when you were wearing something and you it's interpret that in a certain way. It's just now, that's all. So, I mean, back in, back in the days before that, it would have been a smaller community of people that had that kind of influence. So I'm just thinking of my town. I grew up in Eatontown. I would have been limited to the people that I came into contact with. I wouldn't have had someone from Australia commenting on my right, stuff. Right, that's true. That? But then was... You know, does that mean that the the external influence over how you feel about yourself is that much more? Like, is it? I think that mechanism, this is a problem with human beings, isn't it? It's the mechanism, isn't it? When I start to talk about the likes or about the dopamine and that makes you thrive more and you want more. So... Whereas before it would have been a, it would the sort of mechanics would have still happened, but it would have happened on a smaller scale because it would have just been in wherever you could physically kind of be in in that reach. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have total strangers having input into that. You wouldn't have algorithms having a having an input into hitting that dopamine button of yours. And here's how, and what I mean by that, even so, I say algorithms because. Um, and I didn't know this before, that like Twitter, next time you're on Twitter, anybody you're on Twitter and you hit, when you first go on it, and I never ever paid attention to it, but there's an intentional delay before that little number that tells you how many notifications that you have. Mm-hmm. And it, it feeds into this whole dopamine-like aspect and anticipation so it's playing on your psychology but it's an Mm. intentional delay there's no reason for the delay other than it gets you hooked and keeps you hooked because you're conditioned to go to that and look for that little blue number to see how many people are like shared comment and then they delay it so that you stick around a little bit 
that little bit longer so you can get that hit and that fix yeah. and go and so I think that's and I get what you're saying is that the it's always happened and we've always been seeking approval of your parents and your immediate sort of circle of and friends and there would have always been people who disapproved of what you did and there would have always been people who you know I mean for instance it's much easier I suppose I'm taking this from the pure perspective of how much of your identity and the things that you think about as you in terms of your interests in terms of you know your capabilities or whatever comes from you and is your sort of not only decision but you know, you're, it comes from you. And yeah. then how much of it comes from outside? And I think... But I think not, a lot of it does, is it? I think that's, does, that's so it? individual as well. I just don't know if we can say, like, yes, now it's so much more on the external. Because in, in previous generations, yeah, there would have been less people commenting, but there would have been a lot of people who were just like, you know, a bit like you, where you're like, most of your your identity comes from you. I imagine that like the external influences on that from well, what you said more, is though. think about it think about TV think about radio think about all these other previous technologies that still exist that would influence so you know as a kid like wearing Procades and Converse if you weren't wearing those you were ostracized but then you were influenced by whatever magazines that were saying that Converse was the thing, the TV saying Converse was the thing. And how is that made different than how it would have been in previous generations with what it's, you wore? It's not different. It's just even more, I think. So I don't think it's different. I just think it's even I just, I just more don't, now. I, no, I'm not buying it. But you know what I do? I do think is that there's a, a much greater range of possibility of identities that people can choose to well, try and this? have. Because how about this? And, 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 the, uh, and that one video they talk about second life and I'll come back to that in a second if you remind me but so when I start a profile and this is I think this is good for identity so I've when I go on I'm going to start a new profile on this new social network what's the first thing we have to start to do we've got to start to self-identify so now you're having a conversation in your head which I think is probably a good one well who who am I which is a question I started out so you have to kind of ask that question who am I and then somewhere in there, you're probably like, who do I want to be? As in, who do I want the world to see me as? So mm -hmm. I'm going to start to select these characteristics and show the world this portion of me. But then this idea of the network itself is because I created that profile, now I'm going to get reactions from people based off of the identity that I presented to them. And now I get into this loop that I created this identity and this profile, and now I'm getting feedback from external based off yeah. of this profile that I've created. And then I start craving more of that. So do I start to separate from the identity that I, that I am or had before I created this profile that says, this well, is me? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that, yeah, one of the things you're saying is, and, and somewhere I read, was about how it's sort of not necessarily, it says the feedback that you've provided is not necessarily grounded in the reality of your life. And that's mm. a difference, I suppose, because you can... Start, and you start to become that right. person or yeah. just continue to feed that. So, um, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I look at you know, my profile, like you go on Twitter, so what's your profile? And you only have X amount of characters to say, this is who I am. So now you're thinking, okay, mm -hmm. well, yeah, what do I most self-identify with? But 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead. But, but yeah, but then that's going to determine the people who then interact with me. Yeah. And then they're going to be interacting with me based off of what I've presented. And then I'm going to, you know, I get that nice hit and then I'm going to continue to feed more of that. So, But I think also, not only, you know, there's also through this kind of technology a possibility of a more internally driven um, identity in other words one that you feel like you is coming from you or is more chosen rather than something that's being expected of you from others or from like pop culture and that would not would have been crushed before and I'm thinking of all the sort of gay trans you know by sort of thing for just as an example you now have a possibility of going on and connecting with people and being able to kind of embody and express that identity and that doesn't come from people around you that comes from you but technology is sort of enabling you to connect well, and express to, that in a way that like ooh, just would never have happened it just, allows you to connect with the so before where you would have thought you were isolated, technology lets you connect with those like-minded people. Well, before people. you wouldn't have been able to even express that identity. Like in well, previous, not openly. Well, sometimes people didn't at all because it's not well, even... Yeah, well, they didn't want to let it out. And there's still yeah. communities now that won't. Yeah. But you would have had a network to which you would have been able to express that. And it would have been very, very small because it didn't or, have that. Or, or non-existent. Non so non it would have been, there's nobody else in my little community here that exists like this, so I feel isolated. Yeah. Things like the internet open that up, which is what I was thinking. I think we talked about this way back when the election was happening. And I was thinking about the direction of the state and all the sort of alt-right and all that sort of stuff where that attitude existed. It hadn't gone anywhere. Yeah. But I probably didn't express it because yeah. then I would have been ostracized and all that sort of stuff within the greater community. But then the internet opens up and I can say things on Twitter and I'll have a lot of backing and support because there's someone over in California, there's somebody down in Alabama that thinks like me and suddenly we've got a community yeah. and I feel safe and secure inside of that community. So the internet has opened that space up for me. And so I think that's more about community... That's about your your identity and being able to connect with other people that are like you, and now your community is bigger and that yeah, can Yeah, I suppose what identity. I'm saying is that like when we do a sort of in our head completely sort of qualitative how much is from you and how much is put on you by this technology or expected of you by this technology or sort of falsely influenced in some way. I'm not sure that percentage has changed. I think that's probably you know. worse. And this is what people are talking about with the sort of fake news and they're talking about the sort of um, the funnel that you get put into. So you come on with an identity. Facebook is monitoring this. Google is monitoring this. And so like we're on, on this show, we like to be expansive and, and explore lots of different things and different mm -hmm. sides of it. What they're saying now with the algorithms is you'll present your identity. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. And now I'm just going to feed you that same funnel, which doesn't yeah. allow you to branch out and to think of and mm -hmm. see other points of view. So your worldview, in effect, even though it, it should, in theory, be even wider and broader than it ever was before, it becomes narrower because of what you get fed. So 
and this is, you know, and I guess back to your point, well, maybe it isn't any different from television, as in before there was only three channels, so you had to take what the channels fed you was popular culture or whatever was, you know, so there was a lot of, there's always been gatekeepers that said, this is what you need to be believing, thinking, this is what's important, and I either picked ABC, NBC, or CBS to affiliate with because they most like me. In theory, the internet should liberate that as in I can see loads and experience things I would have never been able to see before and maybe that expands my identity but the algorithms and this need to make money from Google and Facebook like that Don't you think that we always have just mostly talked to people who agreed with us? No, that's always that's, that, this so, is, but this know. is what plays on on this is what I think things like that exas- that makes it even greater so we always had the tendency, and this goes back to our evolution though, isn't it? So we gravitate to, towards people that are like us. We are hesitant to people that are not like us. So this is a survival thing, isn't it? So, mm. you know, I'm going to congregate with my tribe because in the numbers we're safe. And now you don't belong to my tribe. I don't know. Do you mean me harm? Do you mean me good? I don't know. And you're so unlike me that I'm initially thinking that you're hostile until we have some kind of interaction and prove otherwise so that's I think that's hardwired into our DNA and it doesn't go away now so just think about it if you go to a party to which you don't know anybody and you're there by yourself for instance it's a big party and the natural thing is to scan that audience for someone that is like you in some way whether they dress the same with you whether they're the same color same hair whether they might be wearing your favorite team sports jerseys. I'm looking for some little tea. They might be drinking the same drink, but we look for, almost on the subconscious level, that it's someone that's somewhat like me, something familiar that I can then move towards and we can have a conversation. So I think that's just hardwired into our, yeah. our sort of DNA. Now try this as an experiment, and then we'll take a quick break. If you really want to get a feel for how this dynamic plays out in the, and she mentioned Second Life and I tried this um, Second Life if people aren't familiar with it it was, uh, it was uh, it's an online open world place where you go and you have an avatar and it's, it's got it's own currency which actually has an exchange rate you can buy and sell goods and all sorts of things you literally are creating a Second Life so I thought okay well instead of being me I'll create a whole other avatar and then try and connect with people. And it was so hard. To, to be not you? Well, not to not be me, but to try and connect with people based off of the avatar that I kind of made. And then it's like, well, how do you... I guess what, it was, what was interesting for me was like, well, how do you actually... How can I establish a relationship with people? How does that... Mm. And it was just... It was so hard. I could almost see like... Man, this is tough. <laughs> you know, because people either ignore you because you weren't, you know, in their little group or clique, and then you're just kind of alone in this open world, and there's all these other people around you, but nobody wants to speak to you. And then, but the w- easiest way to start to connect with people was to go to something like, because I have like clubs and things like that you could go to. And but then, if you like music type thing, for instance. But then there's people that like that music. And suddenly I've got some people, at least we've got something in common because we were in this space and we like this music. So I could start to have a conversation around that. Um, 
so yeah so interesting so if you have the you know if you're interested in a social experiment go and to second life and either you can go as yourself and create an avatar that's just like you or like I think I did I tried what did I do I think I went like female or something on one of them but just try to be someone that you that you aren't and then go and try and make friends and things like yeah, that inside of this thing that's interesting um, let's take a quick break and then we'll we'll come back and see if we've changed <laughs> if our identity is surely changed I want to ask you about and then listeners to think about as well is that what do you self-identify with? What are the characteristics that you make up yourself, your identity? The Havana Cafe Sessions podcast was created to carve out space for contemplation in the middle of our busy week. Inspired by the very ancient idea that wisdom and principles of conscious living can be found through conversation, Clay and I started meeting over coffee at the Havana Cafe. From these meetings, the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast was born, and as an independent podcast, it is supported by listeners like you. Here's how you can help us support the show and continue taking time to explore the big questions in our lives. First and most importantly, you can share the podcast with friends on Facebook, Instagram, or old school, like talking to your friends. Haha. <laughs> Leave a review for us on iTunes, or you can support the show for as little as a couple of pounds or dollars a month. That's less than the coffee you are drinking right now while listening to this show by going to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and hitting that contribute button. Hope you're enjoying this episode, and thanks again for listening. Okay, so we've been talking about identity, and I was just curious to know what would you, what's your identity? So who are you? If you were, if you were characterizing yourself, um, what, the, what do you self-identify with? Because I know, I know we started out that conversation before we started rolling the tape, and you were saying those were just a, a list of things, but I think things like values and these these things that you self-identify with that are important, that becomes yeah. the shape you, that shapes your worldview, that shapes what you let come in through your filter and all of that. And while we are limitless, unlimited beings, so I could, you know, by virtue of being a human being, I have the capacity to be anything, we tend to narrow the scope of that to certain yeah, things. Yeah, and certainly... forms who we are. Yeah, certainly we have a lot of identities, but certain certain identities or certain aspects of our identity become more important than others. Yeah, and, so, and, yeah. and they change. And sometimes if some are fixed until something may happen, it changes that. And, you and, certain, and like you're saying, else. in relationships, you know, you, you meet, if I meet one of my yoga buddies, then that becomes like the sort of prime, prime identity for yeah. me as opposed to, you know, when I meet my mother friends, then mother becomes more important, I suppose. Yeah, so you have a, so, so in that, and that's the characteristics that I'm after. So yeah. your yoga, yoga has yeah. a, and then your mom's, those, but those are aspects of the identity that make yeah. up you. And then yeah. some people you show different aspects. That's right. Sort of too. So the ones that I had for my sort of list, and I was just kind of going through this, and it was, uh, uh, open-minded I had and I have flexibility um, psychological egoist versus being a, a moral egoist and a, a libertarian borderline and on an anarchist and philosophically existential nihilist is there now that is just a very short list of characteristics but when I look at 
how I view the world, what's the filter? So those lists that I, then that's the filter that I have um, in front of me as yeah. I'm interacting with the world. And that's changed. That's not always been that way, but those have been the most persistent. And there's so freedom to explore. I was talking to someone about um, earlier is another very important one yeah. to me. But then, of course, you have like your fitness stuff and your weightlifting stuff that's always been there for you. Yeah, so if like, that so list could that, get longer. Yeah, yeah. so that yeah. list could be longer. But it wouldn't be infinite, as in there's mm, tons of yes. stuff. So there yeah. is a there is a finite list there of things that I self-identify. And you think with. that are, are sort of they important. Are important, but then yeah. that becomes your identity. Your yeah. identity. See, this is against my uh, Buddhist practice. Yeah, but I, I <laughs> but I know I get that because I can say even with that, that becomes an identity even of itself. Well, yeah, I, I really liked the uh, bit. Um, there's a quote by a guy called Paul Graham who wrote an article called Keep Your Identity Small. And it was basically about how because when our identity is threatened, we tend to become defensive and resistant if we keep our identity small. And I suppose by that... That's why I put flexible on mine, by the way. We yeah, that same interesting. Article. Yeah, because I think that, you know, there's a, there's a way that we can both accept that these are my interests and this is what I think of myself as but you can hold these things in a tighter or looser way you know and sort of the you know become you know the there's sort of a yeah I've always sort been of the hold side. these sort yeah. of loose yeah I mean you know I could give you a list of things but you know I think well what's your list come on uh, well you know so I think you know I want some. being a woman being a mother being um this is American over here becomes kind of an identity that is often put in my face. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yoga and being a writer. A um, Buddhist. Yep, yeah, Buddhist and, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think even, even within mother, I think mother of sons is sort of a, a thing that I've sort of been yeah. required to embrace. But, um, you know, what, what I was also reflecting on is that you know there there was this um bit about how we also have many aspects of our identity that we don't realize we have or that we don't consider as important and i think often or you know the the part of not recognizing certain aspects is often when we're in a position of being like in the sort of what are what is a normalized identity? So, for instance, if you're heterosexual, your sexual um, orientation as an identity isn't necessarily very important to you. You don't have to sort of present that because that is what is considered normalized. And so, you or know, that you haven't questioned or explored. Right, indeed. Yeah. And you know, so so there's all kinds of different things like that. You know, whether it's racial, whether it's gender, whether it's sexual orientation, whether it's all kinds of stuff, um, class. Um, and I, I find that really interesting, particularly because I was having a conversation with one of my, like, really, really one of my best friends, who is um, a woman, and she's married to a woman. And she was sort of saying how, despite the fact that she's been in this relationship and with, with a, before that, another woman. So, I mean, you know, in a gay relationship as long as... I've known her. She says she probably has to come out to people once a month at least. And, you know, it's sort of, 
makes you sort of reflect on the sort of external versus the internal and how sometimes an identity that becomes less important to you because she's just in her relationship raising her kids, like doing her thing, going to work, you know, whatever. But because this part of her identity isn't the normalized part of an identity, then that, it's almost like for me with, I mean, it's not, but you know, that sort of works in the same way with the American thing. I don't necessarily feel like this is a really important thing to assert all the time, but it becomes something that others ask me to assert because of my accent and yeah. because it becomes really obvious really quickly that I'm not born in this country. And for her, you know, it, it just sort of made me reflect that a lot of times people are asserting an identity and becoming and, and putting it, you know, up there because... Because of exactly that sort of issue. So yep. if somebody is is transsexual and and you know. So the thing that comes in because I have. It's sort I've, of because you has to become like a big identity because it can't you can't just be yourself and and everyone's just cool and stuff. Because that's my question is almost a why. Is I've been asking this question a lot. Like so for me the whole sort of sexual identity thing. I think well why do we even have to make it a, and why is it even an issue. Why do people have to? Why do I? Why does? So I would never ask her be a friend if I met her whether she was gay. Yeah, I would have been actually really. I care. think you know. I think would, this will is changing. Would she say? Would she self-identify and let me know that? Or I don't think so. It wouldn't yeah. be something that she was like, "Hey, Clay, nice to yeah. meet you. I'm a lesbian." Yeah. You know, but, but what what came? You know, what became apparent to me was that. This isn't something I ever have to say because people default to the assumption that if I'm with someone, it's a man and we're married and we have kids. Yeah. And but see, so, I see that so very, so because of that, that's where the flexibility is. I see all those kind of labels as very limiting based, I mean, yeah, personally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, so I, I don't struggle with it, but it boggles my mind that as humans, we are... We like to limit ourselves with these labels. Well, but, you know, I think that the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of writers and, and artists who, you know, will say, you know, I'm in, there's a the thing, if you Google this, it's like, I can't remember now the, the name of the artist, but it's like, I'm an artist, not a black artist. You know, and it's like, there's a famous person that's one who says, yeah, exactly. like, what I'm a writer, we, not, a wo- not a woman writer. Yeah, it's just a writer. But what's, what's important for us to realize about those statements is that it's always the sort of minority identity or the, I mean, women are not a minority, but they are, but the male gender has, is the normalized gender. And mm. then women are the ones that have to be, like, identified in that way. So you'd never say, I'm a male writer. But you would say, but some people would say, that's a female writer, writer. you know. So, I don't know, it's sort of just interesting to sort of for me to reflect on not only what identities personally I feel are most important, but how I'm able to not worry about certain identities because I sort of fit the box in that category and so I can just sort of forget about it. But you, know? you don't forget about it because it is a part of your identity, but you just don't think about it unless yeah, exactly. that's, unless yeah, bump that's up more what I mean. Yeah. So, but your filter will still be through those filters. So, you know, as you're, you know, making your way through the world, that'll be a part of your filter. Yeah. 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 Um, 
And I think um, I was going to mention about the Jahari's window, if, if, if we want to Google that one, because part of this conversation in terms of identity, I think part of that finds it. So there's this, there's the known self, known to self, known to others. So that's your kind of open bit. So that's things you know about me and that's things that I know is out there. Everybody knows yeah. that bit. Then there's a bit that a blind side that I can't see that you could see. In order right. to make my window more open, I either solicit feedback from you or you give me feedback. Then there's a, a hidden piece. So there's stuff that I don't disclose to you either because I don't trust you or what have you or you're not like me, whatever. Um, and then there's the unknown. And I think this was what made me think of it as something you said just a little while ago. So there may be some aspects that are hidden from me and hidden from others because the situation hasn't come about that reveals itself even yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And then so you have this experience and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you expand that and then you learn some more things about yourself that you didn't know was in there. And so I think that's interesting. So have a look at that Jahari's window if, if, if folks are interested in um, exploring that. But I think, um, you know, that, that whole sort of saying from Kierkegaard, isn't it, about if you label me, you negate me. And that's something that's always stuck with me. Because it's one of the things that I dislike the most is is labels. Um, because, Your anarchist Well, self. because I find that I, that is just it. I find <laughs> that it's it's very limit it, it limits you and it limits the possibilities of what you can be. It also or you crea- have. creates a staticness to something that's actually it quite tension fluid as well. So, like yeah. you know, we, we you know we we're just talking about sort of you know your sexuality, and then we have people who are violently against someone's sexual orientation and they well what does it actually even really matter because it's you know is yeah so that to me just seems so strange and so how and this is the thing about identity so some people's you know like I consider myself to be very flexible and before I used to think that was maybe a flaw because I'm mm. not so attached to some stuff that I could you know get all crazy and worked up about and yeah. just go out and you know yeah just Break stuff. Yeah, break stuff because you don't <laughs> believe how I believe. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, that's always just boggled me about people in general that we could latch on. And maybe this is the whole Buddha thing, whereas I think there is no idea. It's all, the, yeah, yeah. you know, why? It's just emptiness. It's just a thing, you know. Well, you know, I think <laughs> it that's... It doesn't, doesn't matter at the end of the day. You've seen your kids go through this social media thing a bit more than I have yet because mine are a bit younger and I think that maybe that's the other thing is that I don't really know yet how this is the technology is going to shape identity and have an yeah but you've laid the groundwork for that already though yeah maybe yeah not maybe you have there's no maybe (laughs) you've laid the groundwork for it now what's going to happen is how it plays itself out how the groundwork you've laid is going to play itself out back to it's always the mother's fault but not you but you you and the the sort of parents aren't you so you guys have laid the groundwork for it now what's the unknown factor for you now is how that's going to play out but then you know if if what this guy is saying in in the article about the external influence on our identity and our, our perception of self is much greater than it used to be, then, yeah, I don't know. I suppose I, I suppose what I'm saying is that for me right now, my world says, yeah, there are some people that are always going to be more influenced by external stuff. Like, there's always people that are 
more affected by the fads. They're, you know, they're more worried about what people think about them. And then there are people like you, Clay, who don't care. And, you know, but but, but I think, well, no, 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 I don't mean it in a bad way, but, you know, it's like, there are always going to be people who are just a bit more sure of themselves and who they are within themselves. Do you know what I mean? And, and, you know, who aren't going to be that influenced by the likes or the not likes or the But it's a lonely world, though. (laughs) You become a lone wolf, don't you? Because a human, human, we're, we're a herd animal. But I mean, it's, it's not to the exclusion. I mean, like you said, it's not that you don't care at all what people think but it's just that it's not but it does make it harder for you to identify with it to to um to have a tribe or a community let's say so um yeah so i I think it's it is it can be a lonely space being in in that in that way um yeah yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, I don't know. It'll be it's, interesting to see sort of the next generation that comes up who have grown up with this. Cause but it was, it's, it's as you say, though, it hasn't changed. It's the underlying psychology is always the same. It's always been mm. there. Social media has just made it bigger. So with the kids, um, I've watched, you know, haven't gone through that bit. What happens in real life, they just pour it just flows out online so I remember one of um, Brittany's friends nice girl and but she really struggled for a time so where the kids maybe ostracize her in real life but not as nasty as they did once they got out of school and then were online so mm-hmm. you know it just it became it was worse because they can be even more horrible Um in that, in this sort of online sort of space. And then, you know, for some of them, it makes it even, you know, I'm I'm getting it, you know, junk from school. And then I come and then my, if I'm, I want to go on Facebook, but then I'm getting all this stuff from all these other people. Yeah, so my news feed is being filled with all this hate stuff that then drives me off of it, which then wedges me, does me connect from my other sort of community. So I think, um, the underlying piece that hasn't changed, the psychology of it and the things that's driving it, that's just been the makeup of humans. It's now, um, it's just maybe multiplied by a hundred sort of fold, um, on that. But when I was saying about how you laid the groundwork now, because I'm thinking, um, and it's probably just because of the way Ruth and I are. So I did so, especially with Devin, he's probably less of a sort of a so doesn't have an awareness of brand, doesn't have an mm-hmm. awareness of what's so that kind of stuff doesn't bother him. I think I was telling you on an earlier podcast, you know, he's happy to, yeah. you know, not have to go out and do this. So he doesn't have to feel the need to fit in, basically. Yeah. I think Brittany probably a little more of a needing to fit in in some, some sort of space, but I think she probably had two or three different. Um, groups that she hung out with so she had the flexibility to be part of that group this group and this group and almost you know so sometimes she had that basically she had that three parties because these group of friends didn't mix so but she was you know she fit in all three groups and Mm -hmm. um, so she kind of had to have that thing but yeah were some of her friends because probably because of 
the parents struggled and a little harder because they were used to being in a a very um, narrow narrow of, yeah. community and a narrow mm-hmm. thought, thought and yeah. it was more about what every the neighbors and John and Jim are thinking and saying so yeah, yeah, then yeah. that kind of they've kind of fed into that and so they struggle because of um, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so interesting yeah. interesting in terms of um, it has a real like you're saying it has a real um, possibility to helping people connect with other people identity Hmm. but it's also like you're saying as well can be very um polarizing Hmm. so that if you you know i'm thinking about you know political identities in the states right now if you're a democrat and you're a republican then you've got your colors and you've got your thing and you gotta hate the other person and it becomes tribal again so it's it's a funny old thing identity that's so crazy to me that whole thing i mean i you know politics is again one of those things is like you're Democrat, Republican. And when you watch the how it all plays out, I, and to me, it's like, how could you be so rigid in your thought process that you get that upset and crazy because I have a different political thinking than you do? Yeah. And I always, you know, my question of myself is, can people not go up one more level and see that actually none of that junk makes it? It's just an opinion. It's just a thought, but it, it doesn't really mean anything. And how could you tie yourself that It does mean much? something in the sense that these things all translate into action, don't they? So, like? You know, like if you, you know, I suppose the, the anger and the sort of thing come from a perception that if you have a different political view, then you're going to vote in a different way. And then that's going to influence things that actually are different. You know, but I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I think know. it's a, I know. it's a hard for me, and that's the same. It's with interesting as, as more as more polarized as things get, the more I'm just like I'm out. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, then you become another. Well, then you'll be an outsider. Yeah, which okay. is a whole other classification in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. The sort of outsider doesn't fit in. The sort of rebel you'll be there. Cause yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I've been most of it, an outsider most of my sort of life on that end. So. <laughs> The outsiders are the growing. Outsider. But you know what? I'm even thinking like about, and I know we got to wrap this up a little bit, but even things like with the podcast, for instance, and how do you build a community? So, you know, we talk a lot about how do we spread the podcast and marketing and that sort of thing. And But essentially, you've got to go out and find people who like listening to audio. Out of a whole population of people, they like listening to audio. And not only do they like like listening to audio they like listening to this kind of stuff it's interesting though because does someone's does someone's sort of things that they do and enjoy that's not necessarily becoming part of their identity do you know what I mean I think it is it, it is in the sense that it sort of underlies them but I, I imagine that people walking around that's not the primary set of identities that they would have it's like I'm, I'm a podcast listener you know like well, think about how people on the other side of it. What do you say? I'm a podcaster. I'm a blogger. So that let, so yeah. as opposed to say I'm a I'm a I don't know a TV journalist. I mean that lets you know. Yeah, all right. Well, right, he's a right, podcaster, right. so oh, I'll pay attention to him. If he yeah. says I'm a blogger, well, I don't like reading, so yeah, I right. don't yeah, go yeah, to right, his stuff. Right. So yeah. I think it you know yeah. it, it 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 sort of does. Um, and it's it's yeah, is this a strange old one? But and and we've you know. And, and for me, the thing that I've resisted but I can't resist is that that's what people do. They need 
they feel a need to label because if I label it, then I can understand. I know how to yeah. classify it. I know where to put it, and then I know how to react to it. If I can't label it, then there's a great line in the song. Uh, uh, was it? Is it Nina? The ninety nine red balloons, and he said, "Everyone's a Captain Kirk." With orders to identify, uh, clarify, and classify. <laughs> Um, and I think yeah we do that is uh, identify yeah, yeah. yeah then I classify it and uh, well, I clarify what it is and then I classify it and I know how to react to it and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and treat it okay any final thoughts on identity here's your here's the last quote your identity is your vector it is a path defined by what you don't well, sorry by what you do and why you do it by indicating your direction it helps you define your options Excellent. So there you go. There you go. That's a good place to, <laughs> to end. This episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is brought to you by people just like you, wonderful listeners. So thank you very much. If you have a spare second and you would want to click over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or just some stars, that really helps us out a lot and helps other people find us who might enjoy the show. And if you would like to contribute to the show, then you can contribute as little as a pound an episode or less than a coffee an episode um, if you head over to havanacafesessions.co.uk and click on the contribute button. You'll find all kinds of different ways that you can help us out. Thank you so much if you have already contributed in some way or if you're thinking about contributing and really even just telling other people who you think might enjoy the podcast or um, joining in the conversation is very, very helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sarah Hunt, and on behalf of Clay Lowe, goodbye, and we'll see you next week.